Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1? Ephesians chapter 1. Just remember tonight's service. The Lord just put a message uh, on my heart for tonight concerning the times that we're in. And uh, I pray the Lord will just undertake for that. But this morning, I want to pray, uh, speak on possessing the spiritual blessings in Christ. Possessing the spiritual blessings in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1. I want you there, if you would, please just stand. We stand for the reading of God's Word, Ephesians 1, 1 through to 3. Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through to 3. Ephesians 1, 1 through to 3. Amen. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Father, this morning we just pray again for your help, for your anointing to be upon your word, to glorify your name, Lord, through the preaching of your precious truth. We pray, Lord, this morning across this land, wherever Lord, these precious pages are open. Men would stand to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. We pray for a breath of God upon this land, this needy land. God, would you speak, Lord. Lord, give us ears to hear, hearts that are willing. Glorify your name, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats together this morning. Blessed be the God of and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all uh, spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, the context, of course, this morning of uh, where we are and the time in which we're living in is a very sobering hour. It's a very sobering time. But I have found myself just the last few days drawn to the words of Jesus as he addressed Peter. And I, I believe that this is the prayer of our great high priest this morning who's up in the glory when Satan had desired to have him and to sift him as wheat. And what I believe, um, I don't have a full revelation of all that's going to happen and unfold. I believe God's Word very clearly tells us there is a prophetic calendar. I believe it is unfolding in our very before our very eyes. The full extent of all that what is going to happen, uh, I'm not fully sure, but I know that he's in control. I know that he is on the throne and I also know this morning that his prayer for the church would be that our faith would not fail. That our faith would not fail. There are some things that we will not pray away. There are some things, particularly in the West, we seem to rise up, we see the crisis, and we say, Lord, it's nearly like we're praying, don't let it come here. But I want to tell you, friends, there are some things that will happen because Jesus told us as we looked at it, on Wednesday night that there will be wars and there will be rumors of wars that we're not to be shaken or to be troubled with these things because we know that He is coming and He's coming soon. But He speaks of a faith that our faith, that our faith would not fail. There is a shaking of the nations uh, that has been going on now for some time. This is not new. There has been a shaking of the nations over the past 
I would say particularly increasing over the past 15 or 20 years, we've seen a great shaking of the nations of the world. We're also witnessing in the recent times, I believe it's a great sifting of the church. There is a sifting that's taking place in the church of Jesus Christ. But friends, this morning the prayer is the prayer of the Lord, that He prays that the faith of the church, whether it's in Ukraine, whether it's in Northern Ireland or Southern Ireland, whether it's in Russia or North, South, East or West, that the faith of the church would not fail. Because when the Son of Man comes, will He find or shall He find what? Faith. And may God give us the faith in this hour to stand up, to be counted for the Lord in these final moments of time. Mindful of the words of the prophet when he spoke to that young servant, and we'll come to it towards the end of the message. He said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Praise God this morning. We're on the winning side. We're on Christ's side, not victory's side. I want to speak on the blessings the spiritual blessings and possessing them in Christ. The blessings of the Lord that make us rich and addeth no sorrow with it. The true blessings of the Lord, those spiritual blessings, those heavenly blessings. We know that the Bible tells us in Ephesians that Christ was raised from the dead and He is set at the right hand of God in heavenly places. What flows from this risen Christ this morning are all the blessings of God in Christ Jesus. That is where the blessings of the Lord flow. It comes by the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal to the bride of Christ the great work of the cross of Christ and all the heavenly blessings that are available to us through Him by faith and in obedience. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 and verse 19 and speaks of the exceeding greatness of the power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power. There is an exceeding great power towards the believing church, the church that has faith, the church that has its trust in the Lord. This power is above all. Principality, it says in verse 1, and all powers greater than Putin's power, any power, this power is above all power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And Jesus has put all things under His feet and give Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Christ is on the throne. What flows from this Christ is an exceeding greatness of His power to everyone who is a believer, a believer in God. There's a power that flows from the risen Christ this morning. An exceeding great power flows by the power of the Holy Spirit to everyone that believes. It's so simple this morning, but oh God, help us to grasp a hold of these heavenly blessings that come to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He has raised us up over in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 there. It says there that He has raised us up together and to made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, that He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through the Lord Jesus Christ. An exceeding power, 
and the exceeding riches of his grace shown to us in this world in which we live, the power of Almighty God flowing from the throne above by the power of the Holy Spirit, looking for a place, looking for a person, looking for a man, looking for a woman, looking for a young person who's a believer in God this morning. Despite what is happening all around us, there are spiritual blessings that we by faith and obedience that we can possess this morning through the blood and by faith. We have fallen into extremely difficult times. We are in a very difficult time in history and a difficult time particularly even for our nation. I know there's a lot going on around the world, but I can only tell you from where I've been in the last few days with the Lord that there is a breaking There is a brokenness before the Lord for the church of Jesus Christ in this land. There is a cry that goes up beyond the natural realm, and I believe that many in this room possess the same cry. There is a heart, there is a grieving that in the midst of all the confusion and the, and the, and the depravity of man, and we see the rise of spiritual wickedness, that somehow or another that the church of this day is spiritually bankrupt and needs the power and the breath of God to breathe upon it. We are in need of a great move of the Spirit of God. We are in need of a revival. And I know the term has become so used that no longer it has no effect. We can sing about revival, pray about revival, preach about revival, but the effects of the great need of a move of the Holy Ghost and the power of God and a revival in our land and a revival in the church of Jesus Christ hardly has any effect upon the listeners anymore. We are so familiar with going through the motions of all the stuff of church and religion and mechanics. We have all the facilities that we can possibly have. We have all the messages at our fingertips, all the CDs, all the things that are online. But yet we see much the poorer than we've ever done spiritually. How we need a breath of Almighty God. How we need a brokenness in the church of Jesus Christ. How we need to fall again on our knees and call out to God until He breaks through and brings all, all of the exceeding greatness of His power breathing through the church of Jesus Christ, having an effect on a world that has no interest in Christ or eternity. God, would you break us, should be the cry. We have much in the earthly blessings. We have much in the temporal blessings. I want you to watch this this morning. But how rarely do we avail of the blessings and the fullness of the bank of the blessings of the heavenly. The showers of the blessings of God being poured out by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are in an hour, friends, brothers and sisters, that the church of the living God has become irrelevant to the powers and authority and politics and across this world, it's completely irrelevant. There is no thought of the church. They think nothing of the people of God. But this is an hour, this is an hour, friend, that the church of Jesus Christ must awaken with the voice of the prophet that cries in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, for he is coming and he is coming soon. The Western church in particular, that's where I'll focus, 
because that's what I am a part of. And I put a circle around myself before I point the finger at anybody else. But the church in the West has mistaken or been deceived of the deceitfulness of riches. That's what the Bible says. The deceitfulness of riches. We have mistaken the temporal blessings for that which is the heavenly. I want to say that again. We have mistaken or have been deceived by riches. That that which we possess in the physical, we have mistaken that for that which is the heavenly. And we become much the poor for it. Yes, we have buildings. And I look at this, and we look at this, and we know as a people, every one of us that belong here, know God has really richly blessed us materially. But I want to tell you something, friends, when I walk through this door, there's something beyond all of this that I see. And it's not nice chairs and painted walls and a nice stage and a nice platform. But I see the reality in another space of a spiritual need that cries out in this heart. God, we need a move of the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Ghost. We can have our buildings and our houses and our wealth and our finance and our abundance. But friends, this morning, what happens? Let me ask the question. What happens when we have been putting our trust in all of the temporal and all of that which is we see as the spiritual blessings and the material? But what happens when all of that is removed? Then we'll find out the true measure of our spiritual man. I met a good friend years ago, became a good friend. I met him in 1995. I pulled up to his little house and Gilbert and Margaret will appreciate something of this in their African missions. But I pulled up to his little house in a little village called Parley in the middle of India. His name was Y.M. Dupte. That was his name. He was a missionary and a pastor in the middle of India and in, in, the, in the state of Maharashtra, 16 hours in from Bombay. And that's the first time I met him going with a good friend, Gary True, out into that mission field first. Real taste of foreign mission. But I pulled up that day in that little jeep and there was a little house, a little wooden structure with a little tin roof. And he came out to meet us and he was filled with the joy of the Lord. He was a unique character. Others have met him as subsequently would build that relationship with him. He was married, he had six kids, and he had taken in 13 street children into this little wooden structure. He had a tin roof. I think there was two rooms, but I might, I'm nearly sure there was two rooms, but it might have only been one. But he came out and landed against the wooden structure. It was an old motorbike that had broke down. Billy Graham crusaded to give him a motorbike to go around the villages of India to reach his people. 40,000 villages that had never heard the name of Jesus even once. And though he had nothing in this world, but he was a man that was rich in faith and the power of a living God was moving mightily in that little district. I felt much the poor, even though I had much in the material sense. But yet when I looked at him, there was nearly like a desire. Oh God, would we have a fraction of their power, of their zeal, of their joy? Because this world had not given them what they had, but it had come from the very throne of God. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and miracles were a natural occurrence in the church. God, would you do a work today? Not that we have to live in sheds. I understand that. 
Not that we live in sheds or tin roofs. I'm not suggesting that. But I want to tell you, friends, we, in some way or another, have been bankrupt spiritually for too long. We have said what we have physically is God's blessing. Yet we are, we are impoverished spiritually. There's a difference between the heavenly blessing and the earthly. And when we mistake the heavenly for that which is the natural or the temporal, we have made a catastrophic mistake. Not long will we be left poor and evenly spiritually blind. And you find a church just like this in the book of Revelation. You know it. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. This is what they said. They said in Revelation 3, the church of the Laodicea, because thou sayest, I am rich, I am increased with goods, and have need of nothing. There was no need in that church. They had no need for anything. They had everything of the abundance of that which was the natural. But they had no need for God. You know when Jesus cried in John chapter 7 verse 37. We've been looking at that in the Bible class on Monday nights. But he said if any man thirst. If any man or woman thirst. There was a desire. That's what he's saying. If someone in this house this morning has a desire that they have a need, that they need God, and they cry, he said, if he comes unto me out of his innermost being, someone prayed it this morning, shall flow rivers of living water. How this land needs the rivers. How we need the river. Is there anyone else need the rivers? We need the river of God to flow. But they said we have no need. We have nothing. But they didn't realize. They didn't realize. Listen, friend, this morning. They didn't realize that they were wretched. That they were miserable. That they were poor. Listen to what the words are. That they were blind. And tragically, they were naked. This was a church. This was a church. A real church. The church of the Laodicean. Many would believe that that is a sign or that is a type of the church in the last days, particularly in the West. We have everything. We don't need anything. Tragically, friends, tragically we live in such a day, particularly the church in Ulster, the church in the north of Ireland. You see, we're likened unto the church, the children of Israel, who came through an exhaustive journey. They were weary after 40 years of wandering in that wilderness. A whole generation had died. But they could never, here's the, here's the warning, they could never get their eyes off the temporal. They were never taken off the temporal in order that they could possess that heavenly blessing. And that's why a generation did not enter in to everything that God had for them. Can I tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, I believe, I believe passionately that the greatest days for the church are upon her. I believe that the greatest moment for the church of Jesus Christ is now, presently. But they could never see beyond what was happening around them. They were possessed with that which was the temporal. 
If you turn into Nehemiah chapter 9, we read of one of the great revivals in the Old Testament. And something very profound about this revival, I often try to put the times and where they were and in the context, just to try and understand what was happening. But in Nehemiah chapter 9, you know there was a great rebuilding. There was a great uh, revival that was taking place. And Ezra the scribe is about to address the people who were rebuilding the, 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 the Jerusalem and building up the walls and putting in the place again, the gates and so forth. But it's important to note that Ezra brings their attention to an event that happened 1,000 years previous to this. It's, it's so amazing sometimes when you see or you hear, you know, you might hear people talk about the 1859 revival, the 1904 revival, the revivals throughout history in the Old Testament, and you're wondering why are people making that a reference point when they pray or when they preach the reason why they're doing that is, brothers and sisters, this morning, because they're looking back at a God and know that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He never changes. And what He did, and I know we know it all, and that's maybe something of part of losing the effectiveness of it all. We know what happened in 1949 in the Hebrides. We know what happened in 1907 in Sunderland, 1904 in Wales, 1859 in Ulster. We know all the ins and outs of that. We pray, we believe, and we're continuing to do that. But I want to tell you, friends, he's never changed. He's still the same today as he was all those years ago. And that's what Ezra saying to the people of God as they're rebuilding this temple. In Ezra and Nehemiah, sorry, chapter 9 and verse 16, this is what he said. He says, But they and our fathers, speaking of them, Israel, dealt proudly and hardened their necks, and hearkened not to thy commandments. They refused to obey, neither were they mindful of thy wonders that you did amongst them. They'd forgotten the wonders of God. They'd forgot. They weren't mindful of the great things. You know, I love to hear people get to their feet and thank God around the table. I love to hear someone burst through from that heart. And you might sit there and go, why well, they're praying really passionate and there's a lot of emotion, but you have no idea the pit that they were dug out of. And never you forget the pit that you were dug out of. That's the wonder of it all. That's why people cry out. But they forgot the wonders that thou didst amongst them. They hardened their necks. And in the rebellion, they appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God that's ready to pardon. Thou art a God that's gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. Verse 18 says, Yea, when they had made the molten calf, and said, Can you believe it? This is what they said. This is the God that brought thee up out of Egypt and had wrought great provocations. It's, it's nearly hard to fathom that the blessings of the Lord that was upon them and His great deliverance and the material blessings that He gave them when they took all the treasures of Egypt out with them, they made a golden calf. They danced around it. They stripped themselves naked and they said, this is the God that delivered us. I want to tell you, we might look at that this morning and say, that's terrible. How could those people do it? But I want to say that this land is filled with golden calves. And I never want this building 
ever to become a golden calf. I never want the blessings of the Lord materially what he's given us ever to become. This is what we worship. This is nothing to do with it, friends. This is a facility that God has given us to launch out beyond these four walls to win souls for Jesus Christ. There are literally thousands of golden calves raised up, and today the glory of the Lord has departed from them because they forgot the wonders of what God had done in their lives. They worshipped the blessings of the earthly. Even in practice, they claimed them to be proof that this was God. This is their God. You know, I listened and read, sorry, a quote just the other day from a man called Richard Wombrandt, a man who was used mightily of the Lord in prison for 14 years for his faith. This is what he said. He listened to the greatest theologians of his time every single morning. He went outside and listened to the birds sing. Because they knew that their heavenly Father would feed them. Jesus said, are you not much better than they? I want to tell you, friends, this morning, God will never fail us. God will never let us down. But the greatest theologians in this world, the next time you hear them, are the tree, are the birds in the trees. Ezra here, the scribe, we find he begins to record God's wonderful blessings upon their life. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 19, we read in just a couple of verses, 10 Ten blessings of God, how God had blessed them. Number one, it says, in the manifold mercies of God, he never forsook them. Could I tell you something this morning? The Bible tells us that he'll never leave us, nor will he forsake us. He's an amazing God. It says then that the pillar of cloud departed not from them by day, but led them in the way. They were led by the power of God with a physical cloud that appeared, the glory of God. At night time, when it got dark, it says that the pillar of fire by night showed them light, that they would know where to go. Every day, God provided for them, showed them the way in the day and also in the night. Verse 20, it says, He gave them His good spirit to instruct them even in the way. It says in verse 5, that he withheld us not the manna from their mouth every day God would feed his people. It tells us then that he would give them water for their thirst. That's the sixth thing. When they were thirsty, out of that rock came that water. In verse 21 it says, he sustained them. Look what it says. Yea, forty years didst thou to sustain them in the wilderness. We're kept by the power of God every day. We don't even keep ourselves. God kept them. It says then that they lacked, what does it say? They lacked nothing. Has anyone ever lacked with God? Never. He's a faithful God. It says then, this is wonderful, I love this part, that their clothes wax not old. They had the same old coat for 40 years, but it never got old. It was like it was new every morning. Isn't His mercies new every morning? It says that their feet, their feet, Swelled not. God kept them all the way through that wilderness. 
when they got to the edge of that border, all those blessings that God gave them, there was a whole generation of people, unbelieving believers, were not able to enter and they were gone. The pillar of cloud and fire was taken, the manna from heaven, the water from the rock, and now by faith and obedience to God, they were going to enter in to the great things that God had for them. Verse 22 of Nehemiah 9 says, Moreover, thou givest them kingdoms, nations, dividest them, didst divide them into corners, so they possessed the land of Sion, and the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. Their children also multiplied, though, as the stars of heaven, and broughtest them into the land concerning which thou hast promised to their fathers, that they should go in and possess it. So they did eat, and they were filled, and became fat, praise the Lord, and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. God had something wonderful for his people. There was a whole generation were so consumed by that which was the temporal, but there was a new generation that was going to go on into what everything that God had for them. Could I tell you, brothers and sisters, this morning, that there is so much more in God for his people today. If you can go beyond these four walls, you're going to find a world out there that are longing to hear this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we can go beyond the temporal, and we can go on beyond the blessings of the Lord that, is, that he's blessed us with, and push away, there's an old song, push away from the table, and go on out into that world, we're going to find a world that is longing to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ preached under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. There is so much more. That's the heart of God this morning. There is so much more for the church to do in these closing moments of time. Time, time, time is of the essence because time is short. But beyond these four walls, brothers and sisters, there's a world there's a world that's broken. There's a people that need to hear this gospel preached by the power of the Spirit of the living God. The earthly blessing is not a sign that we have possessed. This is a blessing to encourage us to go on to possess even the heavenly. I want to say that again. The earthly blessings that we have in the physical, these are not a sign that we have possessed. These are just a blessing to encourage us to go in to possess that which is the heavenly. Tim, what are you talking about this morning? I'm not too sure what exactly you mean. I want to tell you what I mean, brothers and sisters, very clearly. I believe, I believe passionately that in this day, more than ever before, that the church of Jesus Christ needs the power of the living God to go into this world to preach the gospel with signs and wonders following. I'm tired of hearing what the devil's doing, but I want to know about a people that are filled and possessed with the Holy Ghost. I'm tired of hearing about devil-possessed people, but I want to know a people that are possessed of God. I want to know that there's a people that can rise up out of the death and the despair and the distractions and they can 
believe and thank God for the blessings that he's given us. But they can go into this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and not alone. The answer is still the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only answer is still the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see, brothers and sisters, this morning, a move of God on the city of Belfast. I want to see a breath of God that awakens this sleeping giant, this, this apathetic death, the church of Jesus Christ, that it gets out from all its temporal blessings, but goes forward in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not looking to the May, the fifth elections for an answer. The answer is Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, this morning. I'm not looking to Stormont or the White House or, or certainly not Westminster in any shape or form. We need to know this morning that all those things are going to fall and fall away fast, and they are. But I'm looking to Jesus this morning. The exceeding greatness of his power poured out upon the church of Jesus Christ. We need the fire. Be sure with the class on Monday nights, the dove came upon him because he was pure. But the fire comes upon the church because we need purified. There's so much death in the church of Jesus Christ. There's so much apathy in the church. There's so much unforgiveness in the church. There's so much jealousy in the church. There's so much mocking death in the church. We need the fire of God to fall on the church of Jesus Christ. If Lydia doesn't mind us sharing about that young girl she was saying that she met, that young prostitute that's just out of hospital, possibility of losing her leg because of those needles going into her, drug addict and out in those streets. Brothers and sisters, that's the people that the church need to reach out to. That's why we need to push forward beyond the realms of this world and into that world that's crying out for an answer. We need the power of the living God. The death that has swept across the church is nearly unimaginable. I want to ask you this morning, what do you see? You see, I see something completely different that so many people say they see. And then it makes me feel odd or strange or not someone who really fits in. And I don't get all hung up about that. I don't really mind not fitting in. But I see something beyond that which is the outward. Because all the outward looks really good. Everything's right and normal and everything's going the right way and everyone does their thing on a Sunday. But friends, I see the bankruptcy of it all. And I hear the voice of God saying, would you not come back? Would you come back again to the reality of God moving by the power of the Holy Spirit? Would we come back to an altar where we get on our faces and call out to God? I felt it this morning. I felt God moving in our hearts this morning before this service ever started. I felt that river pushing again. I felt I was about to break. I felt that God was about to come. No, God, we just want to open our hearts and get before the throne of God. Why? Because time, time, time is short. You see, they forgot the Lord. They forgot His commandments, His judgments that He commanded them. And they began to get wealthy and rich and increased with goods as they went in. The Lord warned them. You know, He said to them, Listen, friends, I want to tell you, just want to be real, really real with you this morning. But I've walked around those cemeteries a couple of times the last few weeks. And after someone has been buried, they'll fill that in. And there's a little 
patch where that soil is. It's about two and a half foot, three foot wide, and about seven foot long. And that's all. That's all. That's all. Listen to me this morning. That's all. That's the gap that you have when you're leaving this world. You're not bringing anything with you. You're not bringing your riches. As the wee man said, that he leave much? And the other man said he left everything. You'll not bring anything with you from this world. Listen to me, but only what is done for the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be counted in glory. You may be putting your faith and your wealth and your riches, but God warned them. He said them in Deuteronomy chapter 8, for it is he that has given thee power to get wealth. God give you the power to be rich or to be wealthy if you are, but never forget it's all his, because in a moment it's all going to be gone. It's all for the fire. It's all for the fire. You see, that natural man can't understand the things of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 13, this is what it says, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man, man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with the spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. You see, there are many today. We meet them regularly. There are many, many today that are trusting in their wealth, even within the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking, friends, about millionaires and so forth. Listen, can I say very simply to you, I don't believe there's poverty in Northern Ireland. I might go against the liberal thought. They tell us how many people, but I tell you what poverty is. And if you've been to Africa or you've been to India, that's real poverty. That's what poverty is. A nurse floor, a tin roof, and 19 kids in the house. I want to tell you something. That's what poverty is. And I know it goes against the liberal movement and everything else. But let, let me tell you, I don't think there's anyone starving in this room. And see if you are, you're coming to my house for dinner today. No problem. We're not starving. We're not hard done by we have a world today, I've seen that 80-year-old man, I went, my God, can you imagine if they called out for the young people of this generation to go out and fight a war? They've been told they don't know whether they're a boy or a girl and whatever else they are, and they're going to go out and fight a war. My God, help us. We have demolished and ruined our young people. We have allowed that internet to be the greatest influence in their lives and has destroyed who they are. And that is a demonic influence. The natural man can't get this. Even the natural man that possesses most of the church today, it's the natural man. We're in no need of this. We just want to build a nice new auditorium. We want all the lights and all the smoke machines and make us feel good on a Sunday. But don't challenge us to live for God. Don't challenge us that a man must leave everything, deny himself, take up his cross. That's the old stuff. We just want to sing about who we are and how great we are. And we might throw in God now and again, but as long as we feel good, Lord, help us this morning. A world that's going to hell as fast as it can and the church as fast as sleeping, trusting in its riches. Surely it's time for an awakening. The natural man can't get it. He thinks that something like this is from another planet. But I want to tell you something, friends. 
If ever we need the power of God to move, it's right now. There's a knock coming to the doors. There's a knock coming to the doors. And there's a people going to be looking for bread. I want to tell you, friends, they're not looking for an argument. They're not looking for your debates. They're not looking for all your ideas. They're going to look to you like they looked to Peter and John of old and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That's a people that are possessed of God. If there's a prayer to be made this morning, I believe it's this prayer. It's the prayer. It's the prayer of Elisha to the young servant. You know it well. Now as the armies and the enemy come rushing in to take the prophet, tells us of a young man that got up and looked up. And what did he see? He seen the temporal. He seen the enemy. He seen that they were surrounded. Now, Elisha, this mighty man of God, a type of the early church, I believe, who requested a double portion of the Spirit of God. Elisha made a very profound prayer. He says, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he can see. You know what happened? The Lord opened his eyes. Isn't it amazing that he hears and answers prayer? And you know when his eyes were open, can I tell you, friends, lift up your eyes beyond all that's happening this morning. Lift up your eyes on the armies that are running in to Ukraine. Lift up your eyes beyond the despair and the despondency and how men are so futile in trying to fix a world that's broken. But lift up your eyes and see that the mountain's full of the horses and the chariots of God. Do you know what he said to him? Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. It's amazing this morning if we could see it. That church in the Laodicean had to lift up their eyes. Their eyes were blind, but they needed the anointing. The anointing, the eyes, the eye salve that they would see. May God anoint us our eyes to see this morning. I close with this. This is an old song. I'm not going to sing it, by the way. Oh, no. And I've quoted it already. But these are the words. This was came to a man who, after a time of preaching, teaching at a, at a I believe it was at a university, and at the end of it, he sat down and he was mighty discouraged. And these words came to his heart, and he wrote this song. And this is the words of it, and I believe it's so important. There's peace and contentment in my father's house today. Lots of food on the table, and no one's turned away. There's singing and there's laughter as the hours pass by. But a hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. My house is full but my field is empty. 
who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my field. And he said, push away from the table. Look throughout the window pane. Just beyond the house of plenty lies a field of golden grain, and it's ripe unto harvest. But the reapers, where are they? Oh, can't the children hear the father sadly say, My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my field. No one wants to work in my field. I'm thankful that there are people here, I know that, that do want to work. I want to tell you, friends, we're to labor while it's day, for the night's coming. May God breathe upon his church again. May we get a hold of God better still. May God get a hold of us. May we never mistake that which we have in the temporal as the heavenly, because the day we do, we'll be stripped of that power of a living God. And I tell you, friends, I'd rather be rich in faith and poor in this world. I'm not poor, by the way. I'm, I know God has blessed us. I'm not saying I'm poor, but I'd rather be rich in faith than rich in the deceitfulness of the things of this world. And if God's blessed you, you haven't got it by your own power. He's given you for a reason. And we have seen God's great blessing as people have given sacrificially here. But I want to tell you, friends, I want to make this clear. This is not it. This is not it. And the moment that we are stripped of that vision, I tell you, take us all back. Sorry if this might disappoint some. Get us all back to the wee upper room in the market house or that wee prayer room at our house or the fish and chip shop where we met or that dirty building up the road where the mushrooms growing up the wall. Give me that any day in the power of God. And a big spanking new building with all the modern gadgets. We miss this, friends. And I know I'm saying this because I know we don't want to. It's time to see a move of the Spirit of God. But are you in need of Him? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Can you see? Can you discern between the spiritual and the temporal? Can you receive the exceeding greatness of His power this morning? God, we need a move of your Spirit. Are there those this morning that are willing to push away from the table? Push away. Hear the voice of God speak. There's a world out there need to hear. Friends, there's a world out here. But you know what they need? They need the gospel preached with the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not even going to debate it anymore. I'm not interested in debating about the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to preach what I believe. But we need the breath of God. We have a mission coming up, an Easter mission, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Brother Stephen Riddle will come, preach the gospel. I encourage you to get into prayer for that and to get active in it. We need everyone on the front line to be out, to be leaving, 
the knocking, the compelling, because we're in the highways and byways days. We are in the highways and byways days. We need to be busy about the Lord's work. May God use every life in this room for his glory. Let us pray. Father, this morning, Lord, we see and hear a world around us that is broken. But, oh God, we thank you that you've called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, this morning we come again humbly and say, God, would you breathe upon these lives today? Lord, all we can do is throw ourselves at your feet. And Lord, ask today that you would give us a fresh anointing, the power of the Spirit of God. Lord, we pray, God, would you breathe in the church across this land. Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you touch lives in this room today. God, we pray. Lord, we're praying for that work, that great work in Belfast, Lord. Lord, we're asking for a move of God in those streets, Lord. Lord, we're praying for this, Lord, this place to bring them to, this refuge place, this, this home, Lord, that we can lift those girls out of their environment, Lord. Bring them to a place where they're loved and encouraged and prayed for and set free, Lord. Serving you, Lord, to, to be the handmaidens of the Lord. We think of Mary Magdalene of old. Lord, I pray that you'd fill this house with Mary Magdalene's. Lord, delivered, set free, washed in the blood. Lord, deliver us from respectability, Lord. Lord, deliver us from our pride, O oh God, and the religiosity, Lord. O oh God, there's a world land in the gutter of sin, but Lord, we thank you. Lord, it is the power to change lives today, that gospel. Lord, we pray this morning, Lord, would you cause us to launch out, Lord, by the power of your Spirit. Lord, I pray you'd waken hearts today. Lord, we pray for our young people. Lord, we're asking, Lord, would you raise them up, Lord, for you, Lord, for your service. Lord, I pray, Lord, to not be distracted, Lord, with the things of the world. Oh, God, gladly this morning we lay all on the altar for Jesus. Lord, forgive us in this land for building our thrones, our kingdoms, and raising up our golden calves, dancing round the calves with no power and no glory. Lord, we need the glory in the house again, Lord. So, Lord, we pray that we would be low enough and that you would be exalted high and that you would breathe upon our lives afresh. God, take us, Lord. Lord, we pray, help each and every one of us. Lord, as David would come to lead us as we close this morning, we pray that you'd take hearts and you would seal them. Lord, I pray you take lives and apprehend them, Lord, for your purposes, for your glory. Lord, I pray if there's those in this room that doesn't, do not know you as their Lord and Savior, that you would speak to them and they get right with you today. Lord, if there's those even been caught up, Lord, with the things of this world, Lord, I pray, Lord, to be sweet repentance in this house. Lord, that we would live for Jesus in the time that you've given us, whether you should come or call, Lord, whatever we have, that would live for you, Lord. Oh God, this morning, help us. Help us, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You want to get right with the Lord this morning? Want to surrender your life to the Lord? Then I encourage you to do that before we leave today. You can come if you need prayer. Come to the front this morning. We'll pray with you. Want to give your life to the Lord. Give your life to the service of this great King. I encourage you to do that today. We'll pray with you. Let us all give our hearts to him.
In Jesus' name, amen.